to share a word from the Lord with you uh, this morning that the Lord has given me. It's going to be on your screen. I'm going to be reading from the NIV version, the New International Version, uh, this morning, a, about five verses of Scripture. Uh, and then I want to uh, just share my heart with you today and what the Lord has given me uh, that I believe He's speaking to us today. So in the book of Psalms, chapter 42, we're going to read verses 1 through 5. Psalm 42, 1 through 5. The psalmist said, As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God. Under the protection of the mighty one. With shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Verse 5. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. I want to preach to you this morning for a few moments a message I have simply titled, Anyone Thirsty Yet? Anyone Thirsty Yet? If you will, pray with me and for me. Father, we thank you today for your presence that I feel. We thank you for every person that's assembled together, together right now. Lord, via live stream, Facebook Live and YouTube, I thank you. Lord, that we can be together, we can worship you. In spirit and in truth, though physically separated, Lord, we can be spiritually united. I give you thanks for that today. I thank you for the worship. I thank you for your presence. We've already felt in this building today. But Lord, I thank you for your word that is about to go forth. I pray, Lord, that you would decrease me. Lord, that your spirit may be increased within me. I pray, Father, today that you would remove every hindrance. Lord, as this word is going out over the airways, over the internet, I pray, Father, today that you would remove every hindrance, that, God, you would open every ear to hear, anoint every heart to receive what thus saith the word of God to us for this day. Lord, I pray that we would be changed and different because we have been in your presence today and changed by your word. God, I pray today that if there's anyone lost under the sound of my voice, that before this message is over, they would call upon you for salvation. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, Nicholas. There were three major festivals in the Old Testament. Those were the Passover, the Feast of Tabernacles, and Pentecost. They were celebrated in Jerusalem which was at the heart and the center of Israel. Now Israel was about 350 miles deep, deep by about 100 miles wide. In comparison, Israel is only slightly larger than the state of New Jersey. 
To put it in perspective for you and I, Kentucky, the state of Kentucky, is more than three times larger than the biblical nation of Israel because it was larger in biblical times than it is today. And Kentucky is almost five times larger than the modern day nation of Israel. But it was at least three times larger than biblical Israel. So I want you to get a picture of that in your mind. During these festivals, people would walk and uh, ride donkeys perhaps along with their sacrificial animals to Jerusalem. They would sing different psalms, which were songs on the way there. And once they got within eyesight of Jerusalem, they would sing and they would dance all the louder. Jerusalem would go from maybe 5,000 people to hundreds of thousands of people for a week or so. And I want you to imagine living in some of the small towns on the way to Jerusalem you would regularly see people stream through your town on their way, on their journey to Jerusalem. Imagine growing up in a family that made this trip not once, not twice, but three times a year, once for every festival. Uh, You would hear the same songs being sung every time as they progressed through. The sights and the sounds of this trip, this march to Jerusalem, would be etched in your mind and it would become a permanent part of your life. If you grew up around that, that would always be something that you would have known. And these festivals represent some different things. I want to share with you very quickly what they represent. Passover which actually begins nine days from today. I want you to think about that. We are living in that same season. I talked about that a little bit last week. Passover, which actually begins in nine days, stood for deliverance from slavery. Because if you'll remember how the Israelites were delivered from Egyptian bondage, and as the angel of death would sweep through the land, he would pass over all of the houses of the Israelites that had the blood of a year-old lamb smeared above the door and on the doorpost. The death angel would pass over those homes. It pointed back to God's powerful deliverance through the ten plagues of Egypt. And it also pointed forward to the Messiah who would deliver them from the slavery of sin and death. They were delivered from a natural slavery and death and now they would be in the future delivered from a spiritual sin and death. Uh, Number two, the Feast of Tabernacles reminded the Israelites of the 40 years that they spent in the desert in tents and how God delivered them into the promised land. And finally, thirdly, the festival of Pentecost was a harvest festival. They would celebrate the wheat harvest that God had given them. They would give God the first fruits of all of their harvest. That's where we give God our first fruits of our time, our talent, and our treasure, or our tithe. And Levites would lead the temple in worship songs, just like what has been done today. The Bible stories would be read. The Word of God would be read. And sacrifices of animals would be made as well. That's the the festival of Pentecost. And I want you to think of the sights and the sounds and the smells uh, that uh, even of such festivals that would accompany those events. All of these festivals were meant to remind the Israelites of who God is. He is alive. 
He is a giving God who gives wheat. Thank God He gives us a harvest. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. God is a protecting God, keeping us alive even in the hardest of conditions. He's a protecting God today. He even made sure that the Israelites' shoes and their clothing did not wear out for 40 years that they dwelt in the desert. He is a holy God that they just sang about this morning who demands sacrifices for sins but he is also thanks be to God a forgiving God through the sacrifice of his sacrificial lamb Jesus Christ who was given for the propitiation of our sins and all of these stories reminded the Israelites of what good and gracious God that they had and they served the festivals And the background of those festivals gave the Israelites hope. Hope was mentioned in our main text today. The festivals made the Israelites rejoice and be happy. But this particular song that was written in our text today, however, was not happy. The sons of Korah is who wrote these psalms. I talked about Korah last week. These were the chief musicians for the Israelites. They were the praise and worship team and the band for the Israelites, if you will. They wrote the music and the words of all of these songs for the Israelites to sing. And the ones who wrote Psalms 42, which is our text today, and Psalms 43, seemed to live up north, somewhere by Mount Hermon, which was about 50 miles to the north of the Sea of Galilee. Now listen to me this morning. I'm going to go somewhere with where we're living today. Mount Hermon serves as the source of water for the Sea of Galilee and the Jordan River. It was a good distance from Jerusalem, which was maybe about a hundred miles away from Jerusalem. The psalm doesn't describe how this happened. But some way, somehow... The psalmist had been separated by a hundred miles from worshiping at Jerusalem. Do you follow me today? When the kingdom split around 930 B.C., King Jeroboam led the northern tribes of Israel into worshiping golden calves. They began to worship other gods. And perhaps he also prevented the Levites from going back to Jerusalem to worship. Or it could have been that the... uh, Arameans had taken the Israelites captive. But either way, the psalmist could not get from where he was to Jerusalem. Do you relate that with me today? Jerusalem was their house of worship. The the psalmist could not get from where he was at to Jerusalem. He was separated, so he wrote a song about it. Another translation of our main text today reads like this. Where... When, I'm sorry, when can I go and appear before God? A lot of you have been asking, how long do you think this is going to last? When can we assemble together again for worship? The psalmist said, when can I go and appear before God? My tears have been food for me day and night. While people are saying to me all day, where is your God? I'm overcome by emotions whenever I remember these things. Listen to what the psalmist said. How I used to arrive with the crowd as I led the procession to the house of God with loud shouts of thanksgiving with the crowd celebrating this festival. 
Psalm 137 mentions something similar happening to the Israelites. I want you to listen to how it reads, verses 1 through 4. By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of those songs of Zion. Verse 4. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? Where is God? Why do we feel separated from Him? The same question is being asked today. It reminds me of what they said to Jesus when He was on the cross. They said to Him, He trusts in God. So let God rescue Him now if He wants Him. For He said, I am the Son of God. That's what they said about Him in Matthew chapter 27 verse 43. And that's rational. To a point. If he's the son of God. Because if your parents love you. Why would they let you suffer. Or starve. Especially if they had the power. To get you out of it. So that's rational. To a point. But we have to remember. The spiritual. And the hidden aspect. Of living in this world. Listen to me today. If suffering. Can work to draw us closer to God, then God will allow us to suffer. He wants us to seek Him in times of trouble. Let me say that again. If suffering will work to cause us to draw closer to God, then God will allow us to suffer. It causes us to seek Him more in times of trouble. He wants us to seek Him all the more while we are physically separated from His house of worship. And that's exactly how the psalmist responded. He said, as a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. You see, the psalmist recognized that being with God was as necessary as drinking water for the body. Being with God was as necessary as the deer having water. And this is what God wants to bring about in us through our suffering as well. A deep desire to be with God. The living God. I'm thankful today that we serve a living God. I've seen all kinds of posts on Facebook with the funny video about the first time we get back together for church. But I want to tell you something. I believe there's some of us that are going to be excited and it might look about like what that video looks like because we. I'm thankful today. I don't serve a dead, dry God. I serve a living God. We need to thirst and hunger for the life-giving power of the Lord. And he wants us to thirst for him in the midst of the storm and to see his loving care for us through it all. I want you to listen to the words of Jesus from the cross. He sought God even as he was being crucified and mocked. Even when his own father was giving him as a slaughtered sacrifice, he still cried out, My God, my God. 
See, Jesus thirsted for God from the driest place of all in the depths of suffering through hell. See, the ironic thing was that not only was not uh, that was not the only way that I mean, I'm sorry, that was the only way, ironically, that God could attach himself to us. He was fully God and fully man. The only way he could attach himself to us was to detach himself from the Father. So the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus on the cross and says, right here is your God. If you can't find God in the suffering Jesus, then you don't have the true God. Did you hear me? If you can't find God in the sufferings of Jesus, then you don't have the true God. We don't ask. People of God should not ask. Where is our God in the midst of suffering? Because we realize through the eyes of faith, here is my God. He's still right here. He's still alive. He's still on the throne. And He's still in control. And until we see and view God this way, we will always question the reality and the love of God until we see His love in the suffering itself. Drawing us closer to Him. Now from another perspective, the psalmist, I want you to listen to me, could still pray to God from Mount Hermon. Separated a hundred miles away from the temple. He could still pray to God. God could still hear him. There were also synagogues spread throughout the country where they could still hear the word of God. Why wasn't he content with that? See, God had set up his special way to approach him in the temple through the priest and the sacrifices. The sacrifices were the physical way that they were to receive forgiveness for their sins. If a Jew was cut off from the temple, he would have been cut off from the other believers from all over the country who came to worship there in the festivals as well. He wouldn't have had the assurance through the sacrifices that his sins would be forgiven. He would have felt like he was cut off from God in in a very real and a very vitally important way. The psalmist genuinely missed that and he was emotional about it I hope and pray that the church of the living God has the same thirst I said I hope and pray that the church of the living God has the same thirst it seems that many people are going through withdrawal over being separated from sporting events or maybe other means of entertainment More than anything else. Some of those maybe haven't been in the temple in quite some time. They've been content to worship God in nature. And to listen to a dull conscience whisper sweet nothings in their ears. Some aren't so sad about missing the fellowship of the saints. Because they withdrew from it a long time ago. They've lost their thirst for what truly quenches the soul. On the other hand, some didn't make their attendance to the house of worship a priority when they had the freedom and the opportunity to do so. But since that freedom and that privilege has been taken away, they've started to get dry. 
they've started to get thirsty. But what about you, friend? That's what I want to ask you today. Are you starting to see and to feel what a benefit there is in real and live worship? Are you beginning to get thirsty to be in the house of God under the presence of God. As much as online services help, and I thank God for them to keep us connected to the Word of God and to His Spirit where we can type messages, if you will, uh, on the Facebook stream or the YouTube stream. Uh, We can type messages to each other online, say hello, give a wave emoji. While I'm so thankful for all of that good stuff this morning, this is still not the way that God designed it. Throughout the history of the church, listen to your pastor this morning, he designed worship to be done in a corporate setting where we personally worship the Lord together, side by side, begging for the same forgiveness and receiving the same mercy and getting under the same flow of the Holy Spirit in the same place and through the same means. That's the way God designed worship. God also designed pastors to know their flocks and to be able to visit them in the hospital. You can't even get to them right now. And aid them in their times of need. If you can't make it to church, it should bother you like it bothered the psalmist. If you get separated from the temple, It should bother you like it bothered the psalmist. It should bother you when you can't sing alongside of your fellow believers or hear the music and participate in the worship live and in person. It should bother you because this is how God designed us to be with Him on this side of heaven. It is meant to be a great blessing for you to grow in your faith both personally and together. We are a family. Let me say that again. We are a family in this church. It is therapeutic for families to share time together. One of the greatest things about this crisis is it's forced some people to stay home with their children and enjoy some good quality time. You might be tired of doing that. Mom that's homeschooling, you might be wore out with that. But I want to tell you, we've lost our priorities in this country today. We've lost our priorities with the house of God, with the family unit. Here's the order that should go on in your life. God should be first above everybody else then your family should be second and then your church should fall right under that and then everything else in this world falls underneath that. We've got our priorities out of whack in in this country, in our homes but God is saying I put you back together so you could get your priorities together and recognize what you've lost and realize what I want to assemble in my house once again. So I'm asking you today, when this is lifted, what kind of commitment are you going to make, friend, to the house of God? When this is over with, what kind of commitment are you going to make, Dad, to spend some quality time with your children? When this is over with, what kind of commitment are you going to make to sit around a table and have a real conversation and turn these blessed things off long enough to talk to your children? What kind of commitment are you going to make? See... If this virus, and I'm almost done, helps to bring about a deep desire to come back to worship, 
and to be with the flock of God's people, then that can be for a good purpose. What's the Word of God tell us? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. See, absence makes the heart grow fonder. I'm excited about the excitement I sense in our church right now. Even though we can't all be together. Because absence does make the heart grow fonder. I hope there's many people, don't take this the wrong way, but if you're watching live today, I hope there's many people that are sad as you're watching online. Sad that you can't be inside this building with other believers worshiping in person. But what do you do with your sadness? The psalmist talked to himself. You didn't, you're not as crazy as you thought you were. The psalmist talked to himself. Sometimes people do think it's crazy if you talk to yourself. But the psalmist asked himself, Why are you so depressed, O oh my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? You see, in the midst of our loneliness and our fear, what do we have to remember? We need to remember God isn't dead. God hasn't lost control. God hasn't changed. He's still forgiving. He's still kind. He's still merciful. He's still all-powerful. He still is today. He still is. And even if, God forbid, we die before we planned, we still get to go to heaven. And I can't find anything bad in getting to go to heaven. Once when the great Martin Luther, who by the way was a great leader in the Protestant Reformation, he was moping around and he was all depressed because he was a real person too. His wife, the story goes, went and put on a funeral dress. When he asked her, who died? She said, God did. Martin Luther said, God did not die. To which his wife replied, by the way you're acting, I thought he did. So he got the point. Friend, don't act as if God is dead. Don't act as if God has forsaken us. Don't act as if, as if God is not in control of this nation. He's still in control. Here's the good news. You can still hear about Jesus online, just like you are today. Nothing can change the fact that your sins are paid for and that Jesus has risen from the dead. If you're lost, you can still get saved while watching or listening to a service streaming over the internet. You can still do that. If this continues much longer, we may have to find a parking lot somewhere large enough to house all of our vehicles so that we can have a drive-in worship service. Uh, if this continues on much longer, you might have to come by the church and pick up communion and your, for you and your family if we can't get together by Easter so that you can take it home and we can still take it together. Because God's Word and God's sacrament still work the same today regardless. God's Word has not lost one bit of power. God has, God's house has not lost one bit of power. The name of Jesus has not lost one iota of authority over the enemy and all of his plan. If you're going to talk to yourself, talk to yourself about Jesus. Don't forget who God is. When the psalmist talked to himself with these encouraging words, focusing on God and his mercy, it changed his attitude. It changed his outlook. He said, I'm going to hope 
in God. I will again praise him for salvation for his, from his presence. He said, I will hope in God. The apostle Paul said, if I had hope in this life only, I would be among all men most miserable. But I'm thankful this morning my hope is not in this world. My hope is not in this world. My hope is not in man. My hope is not in this nation. My hope is not in this continent. My hope is in Jesus who is in control who is on his throne who is sovereign this morning. He's not a bit surprised by what's going on. We can hope in him just like the psalmist said. I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help my help cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth I want you to also think of these words this morning Lamentations chapter 3 22 and 23 because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed for his compassions never fail they are new every morning great is your Faithfulness. See, the Israelites oftentimes were attacked and they were chased out of their homes when they had sinned. Their temple was destroyed. Their goods were stolen. They were enslaved. But you don't even have to leave your homes. As a matter of fact, you're supposed to be staying there. I hope that's what you're doing. You don't have to leave your homes. You still have food. You still have drink. You still have a roof over your head. Our temple's not been destroyed. Look at it. It's in good shape today. We got a new one that we're going to be getting ready to work on. You still have everything that you need. You still have forgiveness. And you still have the promise. Even if we can't assemble together on Easter Sunday, you still have the promise of the resurrection. So don't lose heart. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Talk to yourself about Jesus. I want to share this and then I'm going to close. They say that when a person is bitten by a viper, I found this interesting yesterday. The poison, one of the first things that happens is the poison makes them extremely thirsty. When you run a race, your body craves water. When it's hot outside and you're working outside, you thirst. It seems like this life that we're living is getting hotter. It's getting drier spiritually. Has anybody besides me noticed that all of the other forms of entertainment that used to come before the house of God have all dried up? But the church is still going strong. I feel that. All the other forms of entertainment have all dried up. But the church is still going strong. No, not in the same building together, but still going strong nonetheless. But this virus is getting closer and more personal. We had our first case diagnosed. Right in our back door this week. And at the end of the day, we are all still sinners. Deserving nothing but God's wrath and death. That's what we all deserve. But God is still God. Jesus is still Lord. Your sins are still paid for on the cross. Your sins are still paid for on the cross. You are still his child. His promises and His presence will still quench your thirst. His mercies, the psalmist said, are new every morning. Hallelujah. But the question I have for you today is this. Is anyone thirsty yet?
Let that sink in this morning. Is anyone thirsty yet? See, prior to this pandemic and the guidelines of isolation and social distancing, what well did you do most of your drinking from? Because I have some good news today for your dry and parched soul as they come to the music this morning. When Jesus encountered the woman at the well, I want you to listen this morning what Jesus said to her. John chapter 4, verses 10 through 14. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked Him and He would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who has gave us the well and drank from it himself and as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I want to ask you the question. Is anyone thirsty yet? Isaiah 44 and verse 3. For I will pour out water on this thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Anyone thirsty yet? Matthew 5 and 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Is anyone thirsty yet? Psalms 107 and verse 9. For he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. Is anyone thirsty yet? John 7 and 37. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink I want to ask you this morning is anyone thirsty yet Revelations 22 and 17 listen to what the word says the spirit and the pride say come and let the one who hears say come let the one who is thirsty come oh hallelujah and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Is anyone thirsty yet? All over the Facebook world, in your living rooms or at your kitchen table right now, wherever you may be, in your home office, I want you to bow your head and I want to lead you in a prayer this morning and then I want us to spend some time together in prayer. But if you're lost, maybe you've never prayed this prayer before, I want you to pray with me Dear Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize my need for a Savior. So God, I confess to you today, I need you. I'm thirsty for your presence. I hunger and I thirst for forgiveness. I thank you. For the blood that you shed 
on the cross on a hill called Calvary. I ask you today, forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood and let me drink of the water of life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. For those of you that might have just prayed that prayer that have been saved before, thank you, Jesus, for renewing me. Thank you, Jesus, that I can rededicate my life to you. Right here, right now, in my home, I can give my all back to you. Thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness. Now, as they sing today, Father, we thank you for those that might have just prayed that prayer anywhere across this great big world. We thank you today. I want to ask you, if you prayed that prayer, comment on our stream, send us a private Facebook message, contact us some way and let us know. I just prayed the prayer of salvation. But everyone else listening, while they sing, I'm going to take a time to pray. I want you to tell God, God, I, you've got my attention. You've got our attention. We're thirsty for your presence. We're thirsty for your anointing.